0: Люби
1: Welcome to the Beat Podcast, where we continue our coverage of the playoffs. I'm MJ here with BD, and we got a lot of great topics this week to talk about, a lot of surprises in the first round of the playoffs, a lot of exciting matchups in the second round of the playoffs, which actually, I think, could determine the NBA champion. Um, So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it.
0: All right. Well, in the in the first round, there were a lot of, I think, very interesting outcomes. Yeah. The the East was, I guess, went the way you would you would think maybe, other than the Toronto Washington series, but yeah, pretty much everyone won as as you know as expected. The higher seed won in every case, other than that one.
1: Only surprises to us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but I think we. We we did pick that Washington would be Toronto, so we were able to predict the upset there. So I guess we could start talking about that series. You know, Paul Pierce talking some trash from the beginning. Sure made some of the Toronto fans and players mad, but he was able to back it up big time because Toronto wasn't even able to win (laughs) one game.
1: I know. I actually thought this was going to be one of the most evenly matched exciting matchups of the first round and it actually turned out to be very one-sided yeah i mean toronto didn't even win a game right
0: <laughs> yeah i mean and yeah they were just dismantled each from the, from the very beginning of this series even after like the first game when washington won it didn't look like toronto had anything that they could do that We could say all right well if they do these two or three things they can get back into it and they'll have some sort of an edge over washington where you, Washington will have a, a difficult time guarding against or, or you're playing this type of style, but they were just destroyed by Washington.
1: And the thing is, like, Toronto, during the course of this season, they sort of been declining, but yeah. I, I, di- I didn't think that they would just not even win a game in the playoffs.
0: Sure. I mean, that series should have been a minimum of five games, I would say around six. Yeah. But... Yeah, 4-0 for uh, Washington, not bad.
1: And, and, you know, one of the things everybody, a lot of the NBA analysts have been talking about is how, you know, Toronto Toronto has sort of been lacking a true superstar. And I didn't really think it would affect them that much against Washington, but uh, it certainly seems to have.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: I mean, you look at Washington, like you were saying, Paul Pierce former all star brought in a lot of veteran leadership and really helped that team and didn't you know maybe Toronto was lacking that
0: maybe well, there you know Toronto's done, and the other series that was really not that exciting to watch because we knew what would happen right away was Cleveland versus Boston oh yeah, that was just but th- but that one though it was a lot closer like a lot of those games were uh than the Washington Toronto series. So I don't know what happened with Toronto, but yeah, I mean, no one expected Boston to be able to win the series. I think they thought since they were a young team, they could at least maybe win one game, but in Cleveland, they knew that um, they needed to get that series over with and you know, get as much rest as possible, and of course, the less games you play, the lower chances are that you'll have an injury, and unfortunately, in Game 4, you know, Kevin Love got injured, and... Yeah. Um, J.R. Smith did a really stupid thing and got himself suspended for two games, and he was lucky it wasn't more because that was, that was a cheap shot, what, what he did. So he's lucky he didn't get suspended for like three or four games. But I think that's going to have huge uh impact on the rest of the Eastern Conference because Cleveland not having Kevin Love is going to really weaken them and change the dynamics of the Cleveland-Chicago series.
1: Definitely a lot, a lot of dynamics in the first round matchup against Cleveland versus Boston, and a lot of drama as well. I mean, like you said, you know, you have J.R. Smith committing an unnecessary foul, getting a little bit of a suspension there. And then, of course, Kevin Love, he gets his shoulder pulled. And not only is it pulled out of his socket, but it's it's torn ligaments and now he's going to have surgery, and basically he's done for the year. Huh. Even even during the series, I think it was the last game, Kendrick Perkins, actually, he, he was doing a uh, pick, and he, he clobbered he clobbered some guy in the neck. So not really sound decisions by key bench players of Cleveland.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a shame, I I think, that for Kevin Love, even if Cleveland goes on to you know, to the finals and wins, I think it's going to be really tough for him to watch that because he knows that, I mean, he'll get the ring and he was obviously an important part of the regular season to help them get to the, you know, to the position that they're in now and help them win that first round. But I think just, you know, not being able to help from now on, if they do win it all, um, I think it's going to be really tough for him and it's going to make it a lot tougher for them, you know, this next series. It's going to be, would have, you know, been very entertaining and difficult for them to, to get past Chicago anyways, even with Kevin Love. But now that he's out, J.R. Smith, it's going to make it even more challenging.
1: I mean, I definitely agree, you know. There's only, since the beginning of the season, there's only two teams that I can really see winning the championship in the East. And that's Chicago and Cleveland, because some of these other teams have good records. But my problem with them is that they sort of lack the superstar power, and that's so important in the NBA. It's not to say it can't be done, but it's, it's definitely harder. Sure. Um, losing Kevin Love is a, is a huge blow. He's averaging nearly 20 points and 10 rebounds a game. And J.R. Smith sort of is the Kevin Love replacement because Kevin Love is more consistent, but J.R. Smith, when he wants to, he can, he can... Really bring up big numbers for them, but I think what really hurts them even more than the scoring, because I really feel like Cleveland is a very well-balanced team. Um, What 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 I think hurts them is the rebounds. One of the reasons I love Kevin Love so much as a player is because his ability to rebound the basketball. um, It's Charles Barkley was great at it back in the day, and when you have this is something that. The uh, Chicago Bulls had in their in their later three championships. They had Dennis Rodman, one of the greatest rebounders of all time. Mm-hmm. When you have a player who is getting second chance points to guys like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, or in Cleveland Cavaliers' case, Kevin Love is is creating second chance points for LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. They already can't they, they already can't double team these guys because they got too many offensive threats, and now you're giving them second chance points because you bring in a guy like Kevin Love, he's so great at rebounding, which is even more amazing considering he has a bad back but um i i I, I still have faith in the Cleveland Cavaliers but but it's definitely definitely a huge blow.
0: Well, then uh, speaking of that series, so we'll talk about Chicago versus Milwaukee. And I think that when we knew that they would win, I think that's kind of an appropriate amount. Maybe they could have done it in five games versus six, but you know, Milwaukee was a was a good team. You know, they had some injuries too this season, but they'll only continue to improve. So, um, you know, I think Chicago did exactly what they were supposed to in that series. There's nothing much... Much more to say there other than, you know, good good uh, effort by both teams and Chicago handled their business the way they were supposed to.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody really expected Milwaukee to win this series. And even though they had their number in the regular season, I that's happened many times in the NBA and it doesn't amount to anything right. when the playoff come. I was really impressed with Milwaukee to win two games. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I didn't expect them to.
1: Yeah. They have, they have a great young team. Mm-hmm. For me, what the series really did, though, was gave me some reassurance in the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. They sort of had a rough year because you've got Derek Rose, one of their key guys, coming in and out of injury. They really uh, stepped it up against Milwaukee. They sort of... They sort of looked sluggish in the beginning, and I was really worried about Chicago because if you're going to struggle against Milwaukee, obviously you play a team like Cleveland. They're just going to <laughs> take you to lunch. Right. right? But it, it took them. It took them a few games. They really stepped it up. I think. I think the most reassuring thing as a Chicago fan is how well Derek Rose really looked, especially at the end of the series. I thought he. I thought he looked phenomenal, and that, that last game when they blew him out. Chicago looks really good. Sure.
0: The last series in the East, um, Atlanta, Brooklyn, I was pretty surprised that, I mean, Atlanta to me didn't look like they were you know, the number one seed. Um, I mean, obviously, we knew that they were going to win, but I, I didn't think that they should have lost two games. I think at one point the series was tied 2-2, two to two. so um, I don't know, just kind of. Made Atlanta to me not look as dangerous as they did before the playoffs started, because I thought they were a better team than that. And that doesn't—they're probably good enough to win at all. But um, it just—I don't know how they could have to a team that was what ten, eight to ten games below 500 against a team that won 60 games, and you're tied two and two at one point in the first round. I don't—that's just not good. Wow!
1: Yeah. Nobody expected much from Brooklyn. They were right, pretty much the worst team in the East. Right, and
0: maybe it just shows more of how they were actually better than their record suggested. Instead of Atlanta not being as good as we thought about. I yeah,
1: know. I mean, you know, Atlanta eventually took care of business, but mm-hmm. um, makes you wonder about them when they when they're I, I don't know if I would say struggling, but they're a team that's not very good is staying alive against them, mm-hmm. and. Paul Pierce made an interesting comment during the course of the beginning of the playoffs about Brooklyn, basically saying that um during his tenure with Brooklyn that well he said a he said a few things, but pertaining to Brooklyn, he said that uh maybe Darren Williams didn't have the uh put forth the effort he should from like a star. Right. I mean, they barely made the playoffs and they're underachieving, so you know he, there could be some validity to that yeah, statement. It's true,
0: and even when they have the past few years made the playoffs, they've been eliminated in the first round, kind of like this year.
1: For me, I was like really disappointed in Brooklyn because... Yeah, I don't think they've went farther than the second round in a long time. I mean, first off, not to get on a side rant here, but no city is better than another city. I like the fact that New Jersey had their own team, and... Um, they became the Brooklyn Nets. They got the new owner. I'm not even. I don't even know if I want to attempt to pronounce his name. I think it's or Brokaw or
0: something like that.
1: But uh, you know, they get they get their new. They they go from New Jersey to Brooklyn. They get their new arena, and I'm excited. I think it's all good things. Like mm-hmm. it's nothing bad. But for me, it's just like, you know, obviously they're trying to be a title contender. They bring in Kevin Garnett. They bring in Paul Pierce. You already have Joe Johnson, Darren Williams, uh, Brook Lopez, some other guys, and uh, I mean, it didn't take them long to give up. I mean, they they had one year of underperforming, and and I know, I, I think they were over the salary cap, but I mean, they just basically they cleared they cleared house. They got rid of Paul Pierce. They got rid of Kevin Garnett. You know, retrospectively, it doesn't look like it necessarily affected them at all because. They did make the first round of the playoffs, and I think they would have lost no matter who who they had that was available. But I don't know. I was just a little bit disappointed that I felt like you look at what Brooklyn's trying to do now doesn't really look like they're geared towards trying to be a champion. And I just felt like you know you gotta you gotta have some type of level of patience. You know you, you give it, you give it one year and then it doesn't work out and then you give up and try to save money. I don't know, man. It's just uh, yeah. I mean, I could understand a year or two, but
0: well, moving on to the West, uh, the least interesting series, but maybe in the future will be a great matchup: Golden State versus New Orleans. That was, um, I mean, to be expected. I don't think anyone thought that New Orleans was going to, you know, win, but I thought maybe they could at least win one game. But I think Golden State just is playing really good basketball right now. So even though New Orleans he was able to make it into the playoffs in the West and uh, put together a good effort. Um near the end of the season. It just you know, Golden State had played well the whole year. You, know, you don't win over sixty games and, you know, not Yeah not take care of business in the first round. It has happened, I think, a few times, but when you win that many games you're you're a really good team.
1: I thought that uh Anthony Davis obviously played phenomenal, and mm-hmm. uh, he's comes from Kentucky, so that's good for our area. So maybe he's a potential MVP one day. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought they did pretty good. I mean, they they made it competitive, and yeah, and the teams like they weren't gonna win.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, the teams like Milwaukee and New Orleans that are young. This is good experience for them. You like Milwaukee winning those two games against Chicago. That's huge for them. That's going to help them next season a lot. Now, next season, I expect them to go for an even higher seat and win, you know, be over 500. This time they were at 500, but, you know, maybe go, go for around 50 wins instead of 41 or something like that. Uh, and then if they get into the playoffs, which I don't see why they wouldn't, it, it'll give them experience to where they can at least, you know, make it make the series more competitive and possibly win. And then New Orleans... Yeah, I mean, Anthony Davis and the rest of the guys, would be good experience for them. Cause, yeah. Because a few years ago, so... All right. Right. No, you're fine. Yeah, I mean, when when Golden State was, they were kind of in the same uh, boat. They were, you know, good, they were rising, and then they'd get knocked out in the first or second round, and then you know, this year, they're one of the favorites to possibly make it to the finals or maybe win everything, so...
1: Every team in the NBA has different goals, and some teams just want to make the playoffs. And, that, and that's fair. Because, obviously, every team, when they're in the playoffs, their philosophy is, we want to win a championship, but, you know, realistically speaking, you're not going to be, you're not going to be a team that's the first year in the playoffs for that for that roster, and you're not going to, you know, you're not going to win the championship. It's just, I mean, you know, you can have LeBron James on your team and not win a championship, so. Right. Um,
0: I mean, Brooklyn Nets thought they, you know, they wanted to win it, but. I don't think anybody filled out a bracket and had them winning at all
1: <laughs> i mean yeah, it's just uh you know obviously their goal will probably be to at least win a first round or win a game right and hopefully not play the gold right. but, Warriors. but, and, and,
0: but in that can and that can teach you a lot, yeah, sometimes even if you lose all four, at least you see how competitive it is and what it takes to you know to to win so that that can be a good learning experience as well
1: and you hear n b a players talk about it all the time about how the playoff environment is so much different Mm -hmm. than the regular season so it's good that those young guys uh got that under their belt well
0: let's see i guess we can talk about portland versus memphis you know i was kind of surprised that that only went five games i thought i thought portland would have given memphis a little more of a challenge but i think ultimately you know, Memphis should have won it in, you know, five or six games, like kinda like how they did. I would I wouldn't see Portland being able to beat Memphis more than, you know, twice or but I think Memphis is just a, a really good team. They have a lot of big guys, their defense is awesome. It's gonna be a really fun matchup between Memphis and, and Golden State. And we'll talk about who we think is going to win it and why shortly, but you know Memphis is just a beast on defense, and they have so many good bigs. Uh, and kind of their deep team, and they have they don't they don't have a superstar like a LeBron or a you know a Derrick Rose, but they have a lot of other great players who are able to work together. And they've been a relevant team for quite some time now. And I think you know, their mindset is kind of like Golden State's. You know, we've been making it to the playoffs. We've been doing well in the regular season for the past few years. It's time to make a push.
1: Um, I think the biggest worry for Memphis is obviously uh, Mike Conley, Mm -hmm. but uh, they're definitely a team on the rise. They're one of those teams that like they've been staying in the middle ground a few years. They sort of they're not they're not they're not in that upper echelon, but they're not in the um, in the lower seats where you know they're not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. They might have finally turned the corner. Portland was a good team, and another thing to remember is. The seat, a lot of the seeding in the in the West doesn't even matter because yeah, it's all within a few games yeah, anyway they're one all or like, two games they're all one or two games apart so like other than Golden State yeah I uh I, I thought maybe Portland could have made it more competitive but I mean I'm I'm not really surprised at the results or anything yeah I think Memphis
0: is just I mean they clearly are the better team you know, no matter what they were just too deep their defense like I said is is really good they were able to. Make it very difficult to score, and you know, let Portland do what they wanted, just because they're just and they're tough. They play physical basketball. So
1: some of these games are like wake up calls to these teams to sort of see where they stand. And right. I think for Portland now, now they know that there's a distance between them and maybe you know Memphis and some of these other teams. So mm-hmm. they'll have to either retool or sometimes the players just gotta gotta get better.
0: Well, and then the the series that surprised me the most was Houston versus Dallas. I I think that we did talk about why we picked Dallas to win, but it was just because, you know, you know they're going to be upset, so that's one of the reasons why I picked Dallas over Houston. And I really did think that they were deeper, so I thought that that would give them a a bigger advantage. You know, they were more experienced. Dirk had gone, obviously, to the finals and won a championship, but he'd been to the finals twice, so... I just thought that that would give them a little edge over Houston, but I mean, this wasn't even close at all. Like, I was, Mm-mm. I was surprised. I, mean, I really would have thought like if, if Houston or Dallas won, that it would be a minimum of six games. I thought that series should go into seven games, but I don't know what happened there yeah. with Dallas. Um, other than, and not to take anything away from Houston because they are an amazing team with White and, um, Harden are really good. One, two punch. Um, and they definitely have a good chance of winning the championship this year. The way they played against Dallas definitely made them one of the, one of the favorites, in my opinion.
1: I think the, how I have to address this series is there's really been four teams and, you know, we'll get in more detail later, but just to preface what happened in this series, there's basically four teams that I thought had a chance to win a championship. And Golden State, Memphis, San Antonio, and Dallas. And Dallas was my dark horse pick. But what I liked about Dallas was their depth and yeah. the number of veterans on the team.
0: Yeah.
1: Um Houston has depth. I mean they got they got uh Smith, they got Jason Terry, they got some players. I just felt like mm-hmm. I felt like Dallas had more depth. But, right. But really, I mean, Dallas has sort of been Cruising all year and not really been great, and I thought maybe uh, Rondo and Amari Stoudemire would have put them over the top. Yeah, that's
0: that's what was so surprising <clears throat> to me like they had so many guys that like yeah you, that they should have been able to utilize and you know collectively should have been able to beat a Houston team that maybe has better superstars right now since Dirk has passed well past his prime, but you know using all those guys together. Should have been able to make the difference, or at least make the series close, but this wasn't even close. I would understand if, I would understand this a little bit better if they had lost in six games or seven, but in five? That's just really, you know, really low.
1: I mean, there was, there was a lot of drama already in the course of the season. Rajon Rondo and Rick Carlisle, the head coach, didn't really get along because, uh, it seems as though Rick Carlisle is very controlling of the offense and Rajan Ronda is more of a free free flowing type player. Um a lot of the NBA analysts and analysis, now, analysts whatever you want to say, man. <laughs> but they say uh a lot of these players, especially when they win championships, sorta of earn their right to call plays and do stuff on their own. And I'm not really gonna pick a side, but what I will say is both ways have worked. I mean, Rajon Rondo was the point guard in mm-hmm. Boston when they won a championship. Right. And Rick Carlisle, he coached Dallas, you know, to their championship. So, so both ways worked. I sort of felt like just watching the series and maybe some of the plays Rondo made, I sort of felt like he maybe he should have done – he should have tried to fit in a little bit more. I think it really hurt the team because once – once he was out, they looked a lot more competitive. They sort of looked like the Dallas of old. So I really think that, uh, I'm not saying they would have won the series, but that certainly hurt them a lot. I agree. Nothing more to
0: say there. I thought that was kind of that. It just, yeah, it looked really a little bit unprofessional. Not good to have happen in the middle of the playoffs.
1: I mean, I think it really hurt them. You know, Dirk. Dirk is like a lot of these veterans – you see it sort of on the Spurs too, but they may not be the main guy every night, but when it when it comes time for the clutch shots and the big plays, they'll make them. And Dirk, obviously, you know, he's got bad knees and he's sort of slow and everything, but he he pretty much can still deliver on the clutch plays. But I just felt like, uh I mean, Houston did a good job. I'm not saying they
0: did. No, completely.
1: Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so basically... Uh, Rajan Rondo officially ended the series because of an injury. I think it was a back injury. Yeah, And like a lot of guys, he, he had been uh, playing through it and just hadn't said anything. And uh, that's sort of the official reason he's not on the team. I think it's all drama, though. I mean, I don't think it's all drama. I think it's sort of like a... just a politically correct thing they do. Uh, there was definitely some stuff going on behind the scenes. First off, they didn't even pay Rajon Rondo for the uh, for the playoff games as part of the team. Not that it, it really matters, but for the chump change it was compared to what they make. But, um, you know, I mean, he was done with the team. He wasn't going to be there in suit and tie supporting the team in the rest of the games, which he didn't. And, you know, some of the answers Rick Carlisle gave in interviews, it's pretty clear that the future of Rajon Rondo and Dallas are not together. So it's just a really uh it's a sort of unfortunate because I felt like you know Dallas has all this talent and uh to 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 end on drama sort of sucks, but Dallas has always been great at retooling, so we'll see what happens uh next year
0: yeah, that's true. We'll see, I don't think they need to add too much more but we'll see maybe some younger guys or something defensively or we'll see what they they can do in the off season, But the most entertaining series by far was the only seven game series in the first round, the Clippers versus the Spurs. And the both of us initially picked the Spurs to win because, you know, they think that the first round and, you know, I think they had never been able to successfully defend their championship. So they thought, I think they really thought that this year they had a pretty good chance. So, you know, we thought Clippers, they're a great team, but you know, maybe not good enough to be able to knock out the Spurs in the first round. to so pick picked them, but, I mean, Chris Paul just, I didn't think he was that good. I mean, we both knew that he was an amazing player, but never would have thought he was as good as he was.
1: And, Mr. Clutch.
0: And for me, it was really, I mean, if you were going to say the one person going to play well for the Clippers, obviously, you know, you would know that it was Chris Paul, but how well Gr- Blake Griffith played was amazing. I mean, he made... So many mid-range shots, because if, you know, a year ago, you just leave him open, he'll miss that yeah. most of the time. And it was almost no threat unless he went for a layup or a big dunk. But he really was able to show a new side, um, on offense. And all those assists that he was giving during the games, you know, getting others involved and making it easier. That I think maybe was the big, you know, the big difference. Even though, you know, in game seven, Chris Paul was the the main guy, and you know he helped made the winning shot. But you know throughout the series, if Blake Griffin didn't play as well as he did, even though Chris Paul was clearly the best player, they don't they don't win, and it doesn't it's not even close. And I think it's not that the Spurs played bad. It's just I think it was you know this would have been their third try for the finals in three years. They are an older team, especially their their core. You know, like Ginobili, Duncan, and Parker. So it was difficult for them I think to go for another really competitive series you can kind of see where at times you know the guys that would normally step up weren't able to and the thing had happened to all three of them yeah this this was I think good for the clippers because it shows that they're finally able to move up for the past few years right I mean they'd get knocked out yeah. by a, by a tough team either in the first round or the second round and they just can't get over uh, that hurdle but Even if they don't win in this next round, at least they can say, you know, we don't have as much to improve on as as we would have initially had they lost to the first round because now they know how to beat a really good team, a champion like the Spurs. So I saw a lot of positives there for them. And the only thing else I wanted to say about Chris Paul was, you know, obviously we both talked about how good he was, but last night's performance reminded me not exactly Like it, but a little bit of of Isaiah Thomas when he played in the finals, when he was, he was, he had a worse injury, and of course that was the finals, but it reminded me a little bit of that because he played through the pain, he played, you know, semi-hurt, or I mean, I don't know how hurt exactly he was, but he was, you know, he was injured, but playing through that and and having an amazing game. I think he shot like 9 for 12 or 9 for 13. Wow. Which is, and he was 5 for 6. in in the three-point line so that's just it just reminded me a little bit of that when I was watching a few months ago the bad boy Pistons documentary (laughs) yeah um you know kind of talked about that series when he was injured when they played the Lakers in the finals I think they they did lose that series Detroit but it just reminded me a little bit of Isaiah Thomas not not as great you know but you know this is of course the first round that was the finals but still a little, little bit of that, so that was pr- that was really fun to watch as a basketball fan. You know, regardless of of which team you like and who you yeah. wanted to win, just you know being able to see someone just kind of sacrifice and play in pain and at an amazing level though is is uh, really exciting. And then of course after the game, you know no classier guys than the Spurs,
1: no doubt.
0: Yeah, I mean Tim Duncan is you know an amazing uh, individual. Not just the success he's had winning and getting to the finals, but just as an individual person, really really classy guy, what a lot of players should aspire to be like.
1: Definitely.
0: He doesn't cry or whine or blame others, and he takes full responsibility. In. And then, of course, it reminded me of how amazing the two coaches are. Every time I listen to Doc Rivers say something, I, I get more and more respect for him. And he, yeah. point, he pointed out something great when he said that the series, you know, he was really glad that you know, it made him a better person after watching it and being part of it, because this was a close series decided by fewer points than almost any other in history.
1: And you yeah, didn't have
0: any flagrant fouls, you didn't have any pushing, I mean, you're, you're pushing, yourself, but you didn't have any fights, you didn't have you know, that nonsense that happens where you have half the team try to fight the other half, and then everyone has to get involved to break up something stupid so that that's just really it just shows you how good these two leaders are to get their players to to play basketball the way it's supposed to be played and not make turn it into a WWF, <laughs> you
1: know,
0: Royal Rumble right. when you're not getting your way or you're or you're uh,
1: losing. I mean, wow! What do I say? Where to start? <laughs> I'm I'm obviously depressed because I like the Spurs, but. uh at least they whooped Miami last year, so that makes me happy. <laughs> uh, this It was an amazing series. When you look at the Clippers, they sort of seem, to me, they're in the same position as Houston. And that is, they sort of had guys who were on the verge of being superstars, and are they going to make it over the hump, or are they not going to make it over the hump? And really, I felt like the main players on the Clippers, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan, all Stepped up. Except
0: for when DeAndre Jordan's on the free throw line. He's <laughs> so bad. I did not know until just recently that he was, uh, 38% or under, wow. under 40% free throw percentage. That's ridiculous. That's so horrible. I know that, like, Shaq and even at one point Tim Duncan and Dwight Howard, like, were bad, but I'd never seen somebody average 38 or 37%. That's Pathetically low.
1: Yeah, I mean, Spurs did a good strategy to hack a Jordan. I think it helped them, especially with their age, and it sort of stopped the Clippers' momentum and helped them get rest. you got to
0: slow it down so they can drink the
1: prune juice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think for me, like, watching the Clippers, I was most impressed with Blake Griffin because he was sort of a guy who was really athletic and could make the big athletic play, but he really has become more mature and has a more well-rounded game, and I felt really bad for Tim Duncan because he's so old, and <laughs> he's got he's got to go up against Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, who are both extremely physical and are beating him up all the time. And I mean, he played like a legend. He he really couldn't get around DeAndre Jordan too much because he's so powerful, but somehow or another, he kept making ridiculously tough shot after ridiculously tough shot. It's pretty amazing. I for me, I'm like. I mean, this was just such an insane series. I actually thought the Spurs would probably um, pull away a little bit more. But the Clippers really proved me wrong because they really stepped up and uh, were veterans. You know, they they became more of a veteran team, more mature team. It was a series no one could predict. If anybody told you they knew the winner of this series, they were lying. Because, I mean, this was just back and forth. Charles Barkley knew. Except for Charles Barkley, of course. (laughs) He stuck with it. But man, I mean this there was every game was close, except for like the the Spurs blew out one game. I think the Clippers got in hand another game, but it was just back and forth the whole series, no matter what either team did, they could never pull away. It was so frustrating to watch wanting the Spurs to win, sure. and really, I felt like it just came down to who had the last possession. Chris Paul made that made an amazing game to win the game. He uh he was over like I forget who was over it might have been Tim Duncan and Kawhi Leonard or something but amazing shot and, and I was really happy with the way it ended because the refs try not to call too many fouls in the last plays because they don't want to determine the outcome. Right. But they sort of bailed Chris Paul out with a with a foul a play before they usually don't call that foul. It was a touch foul on his follow through after he shot it. And usually they wouldn't call that on like a last play scenario in the playoffs, but they sort of had a makeup call with Tim Duncan, who fortunately hit both his free throws. So I was obviously disappointed to see the Spurs lose, but Not me. I, I felt like I felt I felt like they lost in a, um. I'm satisfied with their loss yeah. because they, the refs, the refs didn't uh, control the outcome. So anyway, thanks for tuning in. I'm MJ. Mm BD. And uh, we'll catch you next time with more insights.